Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. So good to see you. Welcome to our online community. Come on, let's welcome all those watching at home, maybe in hospital, maybe watching in their car and their workplace. Great to have you with us in church today. And I want to say a huge, on our worship team, just outstanding. And our gospel choir. Come on, let's thank all the choir. Fantastic. All right, well, good to see you all. Are you all good? We are, we are in for a treat this morning. Um, we've got a great friends of our church, Pastors Dave and Abs Niblock with us, all the way from sunny Leeds. And um, their football team's fallen apart, but their church isn't. Their church definitely isn't. And um, they're going to be celebrating in May 12 months of North Church, brand new church in the heart of Leeds. And it's a miracle story, a little bit like Soul Church. It's an absolute miracle story. And I've known Dave for nearly 15 years now. They went through Cot Bible School. He was a little bit after me. And uh, these guys are in ministry, which is what we call ourselves ministers. But in ministry, you need friends, okay? Because sometimes people are crazy. And um, sometimes just call Dave and he calls me and we're like, you'll never guess what's happened. And people never surprise you. Always something comes. But Dave, Dave and Abs, I know for Abs, Chantel and Abs, a close friend. They've been such great friends. And they were believing God for a miracle baby. Had some real challenging news in their early, in their early years and, uh, of marriage. Now they've got four. And so be careful what you pray for, Dave. And Abs. And... But we, we really love this couple. And like I say, they are building. If you're ever up in the, in, in the north of England, um, go and check it out. And it's right on the, the main strip going into Leeds. You'll see their church. It's just a phenomenal story. And their church is grown a year old. And it's all the way to the back already. And they're in a warehouse, a little, a little bit similar to this. And it's just a fantastic. And so mums and dads, if you're sending your, your students or your teenagers up to university up that way, point them in the direction of this church. It is phenomenal. We love them. And uh, you guys are the real deal. So come on, let, come on, come on up, Dave. Dave's going to come and bring the word. And uh, let's give him a big hand. In fact, Abs, you just come up as well. We can't have you both up here. Say hello. Hello. You can do more. Hi guys. Well, I was out in the first service in Kids Church, but it's so good to be here. And likewise, we hear amazing things from this church. You're a real inspiration. Everything God has done. And I know Dave got to see the building yesterday. And this is an exciting place to be. So thank you so much for having us and welcoming us. And it feels like family away from family except my eldest actually wants to move here he's made that very very clear but he's only nine so I'm hoping to hold on to him for a few years yet he's only human and uh, hey we love you come on let's give Dave a hand and have they jump off amen you can take your seats thank you so much worship team thank you John and Chantel I echo back everything he said and uh, it's a real joy to be here they are very generous people, and um, 
just been great to spend some time, obviously, with them and with you guys. And the 9 a.m. was good, but I've heard the 11 a.m. is 6% is better. <laughs> Mainly because the youth are here. And um, yesterday, um, we were watching the Norwich game. Well, we weren't watching it. We were <laughs> watching the Norwich game. And... Uh, John, he wasn't doing so well, so John needed a bit of a pick-me-up. So we didn't go to Starbucks, we went to the new building. And amazing just to see that. Wow, fantastic. I've never seen a church building like that in the UK being built. And so, super inspiring. And like John said, uh, we are here with our entourage, our four kids, and our youngest, who's Gabriel, who's only three, was in kids' church in the first service, banged his head, had a cut on his forehead, so we went to pick him up, and he was having some first aid from Bill. That's proper first aid when you've got Bill on first aid. But he's a Yorkshireman, and so he's back in Kids Church again for the second service. If he was a Southerner, he'd be down. He'd be at home now in a duvet, having a, some cow pole. But he's a Yorkshire lad, and he's back in. Back in there, lad. Well, I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 5. I want to continue from where Pastor John spoke last week because as you launch your word for the year, the word is, come on, we can do better than that. The word is, the year of the Lord's favor. And I watched that service and was inspired by that. And so I wanted to build upon that with you guys today. Is that all right? And so um, we're going to speak a little bit about that. I want to share some ver verses with you in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. We're just going to skip some, through some of these because I was reading this this week. And I'm like, this is relevant to soul church. And it's in the uh, Amplified Version. It says, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, opened his mouth and taught them. This is the, many of you know this, these are, you know, the Beatitudes. But the Amplified puts it like this. Um, and he taught them saying, blessed and I like what it says in the brackets. This is the Amplified. Happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in what? God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and enviably happy, brackets, with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. Twelve verses. Jesus speaking the Beatitudes, and he uses the word blessed, which the Amplified likes to say, favored, happy, and spiritually prosperous. Jesus is speaking the Beatitudes, but really what I think he is, he is encompassing what I call favor, favor's best friend. You see, I believe favor has friends, and I believe favor's best friend is called faith. Everybody say faith. Faith, 
Favor and faith, not the Tesco brand, F and F, but favor and faith. Faith is the best friend of favor. And as Jesus is speaking these beatitudes, he's looking at what it is to live, have a faith in God and to live have a faith, have a spirit of God. And as a result of that, what is the result of that? It is the favor that follows. You see, favor is on you, but it is faith that is in you. The favor of God might be on you, but what is actually in you? You know, sometimes when we think about faith, we think we, 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 we narrow down faith to simply things that we are believing for or things that we are expectant for. And we have an attitude of faith, but faith is more than what I just believe for. Faith is a position I live from. Faith is the place that I live from. It is not simply what I am believing for. And I was asking myself this question this week. Why do people who have faith and live from that place of faith, coincidentally, why do they seem to walk in favor? (laughs) Why do they seem to have doors open to them? Why do opportunities seem to come their way? Why do they simply simply seem to go through and, and experience breakthrough? Why does a church in Norwich manage to have favor on it so that it can build one of the best church buildings I've ever seen in the UK? It is because there is faith attached to that favor. And whenever you have that faith, I believe it is favor that also follows. The Bible says in the Old Testament that so many people of the heroes of the faith, they found favor in God. If you look through it, it keeps saying they found favor. Joseph found favor. And these different people, they found favor. They didn't go in search of favor. They simply lived from their position of faith and favor found them. And I'm encouraging you, we don't have to go in search of God's favor. We simply have to live from the faith that is within us. And God's favor has a way of finding you. So often we go in search for things and God is like, no, just remain steadfast in me. Just remain steadfast in the spirit of God. Because we sometimes forget to understand that what happens around me, what happens around my life, is often an extension of what happens in my life. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have to deal with circumstances externally which are the result of our posture or our tone or what is going on internally. How many of you can understand what I mean when I say that? We sometimes do, why am I dealing with this? It is because what is happening outside is sometimes a manifestation of what is taking place inside. And in Luke chapter 4, when John read last week, and he is not Jesus, but John read from Luke chapter 4, as Jesus says, it is time to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you go back four verses to Luke chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That he returned to Galilee in the what? power of the Spirit. Now you might be thinking, return from where? You go back a few more verses and you'll find that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, for 40 nights, and his spirit was being tested. He was being tested in the faith by the enemy who would offer him lots of things and offer him opportunities and offer him fame and offer him significance and offer him food. And yet for 40 days, Jesus responds with, it is written, it is written, it is written and strengthens his faith. And the Bible says he returns to Galilee 
in the power of the spirit that was in him. Question, how do you return when your faith is being tested? When your faith is tested at school, college, workplace, at home, when there is a testing on your faith, how do we return? I believe it is possible, like Jesus, to return in the power of the Spirit. We might have had a few tough days. It might have been 40 days of trials and tribulations and testing and exhaustion. But there is something in God which enables when my faith is tested, like it is right now, I can still return in the power of the Spirit. You see, I I think when we look at the mood of the nation right now, I think we would say, I think we'd say it ain't that great (laughs) for a Yorkshireman or Yorkshire lass. You'd say the mood of the nation, it ain't that great, lad. (laughs) What I mean by that, everyone seems to be like a little bit down. Everyone seems to be a little bit flat. Everyone seems to be having a go at everyone. Everyone seems to be kind of like fighting against everyone. There just seems to be like a mood in our nation, which in the Queen's English would say, ain't that great. And we as a church, we have empathy and we have understanding with that mood. Because how many of you know there are, there are reasons why some people feel like that way? There are things that have happened or not happened in parts of our nation, in different societies, in different cities, which is causing people to feel that. And we won't get involved in all those situations right now but last couple of weeks ago we were at a gathering and somebody called it what they called it an energy crisis in our nation it's not just an energy crisis with gas and electricity but there is an energy crisis in people they feel short on energy they feel short on drive they feel short on faith they feel short on like the get up and go there's just a level of like flatness not just in our gas and electricity meters but in our souls And we have an empathy, like I'm saying, we have an understanding. And I know your church is doing so much and we are trying to follow in helping society as much as we can. By provisions and by support and by encouragement to lift that mood. And so even though we have empathy and understanding with the mood, that doesn't mean we need to be partakers in the mood. Doesn't mean we need to share the mood. And when someone is in a mood, we go, oh yeah, well I'll share the mood with you. Let's be sad together. Let's talk about how bad life is together. No, we have empathy with it, but we try and raise the lift. We try and lift the mood. We try and raise the mood. We try and change it. Otherwise, what happens is we become acclimatized to the mood. Similar to when you know when you you go on holiday, and you, if you're going to Bognor Regis, it might not work there. But if you if you're going on a hot holiday. If you're going like somewhere hot and you get on a plane from Norwich Airport, just a few miles away from here, you know, in Manchester, we have huge planes. And in Leeds, we have Boeing 747s at Leeds Airport. When I drove past here, you had these little put, put, little, little, you know, my kids were like, what's that? They look like toy planes. And I was Norwich Airport. Norwich to Ipswich, Ipswich to Norwich. Norwich to Cambridge, Cambridge to Norwich. We have Leeds to Miami, Leeds to Los Angeles, Leeds to... <sighs> John was telling me yesterday, it takes 25 minutes to get from Norwich Airport to Amsterdam. Praise God. <laughs> but when you get off a plane, 
and you get in a hot country. How many of you know, like, you've come from, come from Norwich or you come from Leeds and you've got your fleece on, your joggers on, you've got, you know, you've got, you've got everything on. You get off the plane, oh, gosh, the heat hits you. You're like, what is that? And you're walking down the steps, taking off all your clothes. And it's just, oh, it's really hot in here. So hot. Because you've been there like a minute. How many of you know three days later, you're walking around Spain like you own the place. You're fine. Like, why? Because you've, you've acclimatized to the temperature of the nation. You become accustomed to it. And I'm encouraging you, don't acclimatize to the mood of this nation. You don't need to be partakers in the temperature of the nation. You can decide to not be partakers in it, but begin to lift it. Raise the faith in the room where your conviction begins to change character. Because everything that goes on in our lives, in our nation, in our cities, in our homes, in our schools, everything that goes on has an impact on us. Especially an impact on our soul. Everybody say soul. It's the name of your church. <laughs> Everything has an impact, especially on your soul. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus even says, What good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? He's like, why would you even consider, like, what good is it? You might have everything, but yet you've lost the most valuable possession you have. I'm trying to teach, or me and Abs are trying to teach our two boys who are uh, nearly 10 and uh, 5, the value of money and the value of possessions. Because things that they think has great value, such as prime drink... <laughs> has in very, in fact, limited value. If you think I'm paying 25 pound for a little drink of Prime, some of you over, you know, some of you over, uh, over 30 over here, I've got a clue what I'm on about, but the youth know what I'm on about. Like, they think, they, they think that's hugely value. I'm like, no, invest in things of long-term value, not just quick buzzes, not just quick opportunities. Because Jesus says it is possible to lose things. It's like when you're at school and you have your playing, you know, your football cards from your sticker album. You'll remember this, you guys over here who are over 30. And you'd have all your stickers and you, you'd swap them with your friend and you go, got, got, need, 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 got, 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 got. And you'd swap 500 stickers of, you know, the players nobody wanted, mainly Norwich players. <laughs> like, who, who wants, uh, you know, who wants Pookie? Oh, no, we don't. We know I want Pookie. Who wants Jeremy Goss? Who wants, you know, the old school? And you'd swap them for a gold badge of Leeds United. And you'd swap them for the silver. You're, you're swapping all of these things. And you're like, why would you give 500 stickers for one little? But it's exchanging. And it's amazing how people in the spirit are exchanging stuff for souls. They're exchanging opportunities or relationships or things for a quick buzz and they're giving their soul away. Then they're wondering, why is my faith low? Why do I feel like my faith is low? Why do I feel like I'm struggling to believe for anything? Why do I feel like I have an energy crisis? Why do I feel as flat as everyone else in the nation? Why do I feel low in my mood? Why do, I, why do I feel like that? And then I'm struggling because doors aren't opening and breakthroughs doesn't seem to be coming and opportunity doesn't seem to be coming my way. And I, 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 you, you trace it back and there is definitely a connection between the faith that is in you 
and the favor that begins to find you. So what is the soul? Let's just talk about this for a moment. The soul is who we are as human beings. It is, it is our mind and our emotions and our will. It is almost like the control center of who you are. So when you see me, you, you see my body, but you don't necessarily know my soul. My wife knows my soul and my kids and my close friends probably have a glimpse of my soul, but only me, only I really know who I really am. They are my deepest, innermost thoughts. Sometimes they're good and let you into the secret. Sometimes they're not so good. It is the, it is the humanity of who I am. It is the part of me that feels. It is the part of me that cares. It is the part of me that loves, the part of me that hates. It is the part of me that believes. It is the part of me that doubts. It is the unique part of me. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Look what it says here. It says that we are body, soul, and spirit. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, may your whole soul, and may your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are three parts. We are body. Everybody say body. They are your physical functions. That is what you're sensing, your sight, your smell, your hear, your touch, your listening, your hearing. They are the physical functions of who you are. Then we have our soul, like I've just said, is our, our humanity. We then have our spirit. And our spirit is our spiritual connection with God. And I would say that our faith, the position that we live from, is all of that. It is body, soul, and spirit. You can't separate your body from your faith. You can't separate your soul or your spirit from your faith. It is all encompassed in those three things. And so let's just draw it like this, and hopefully this makes sense a little bit more. So we have, we have let's do a big circle there, okay? This is what we're going to call the body, okay? We then have a circle within the body, okay? And we're going to call that the soul. Then there is a circle within that, and we're going to call that the spirit. Make sense? Spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes it's a good way to look at the analogy because all of us have these three parts within us. The body, what we all see, what we all experience, what we laugh and like about each other and just acknowledge and see. We have the soul, which is more the inner part of us. And then we have the spirit, which is your spiritual connection with God. Now, what happens is stuff happens to the body. And you have to experience that. And so what I mean by that is you see things. I don't know about you, but when I see the pictures of the, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, I don't just see that like artificial intelligence. I don't just see that like a computer and skip. I see that and I feel that. Last night I was watching some videos of, of the, of, in Turkey of, pair of people still trying to rescue people and a dad trying to find his family under the rubble. You see that with your senses and you listen to that. How many of you know that impacts your soul? To think that it's not, like we are not 
ChatGP. We're not some computerized system that can just move on. No, we are spirit, soul, and body. And so sometimes we get hurt by things that are said. Sometimes we get hurt by things that are not said. We can get offended. These are all natural human reactions. All of us in here get impacted by things that hit the body and then leak into the soul. Some of the things you might be able to hear and just switch off and it kind of goes back. But a lot of the things that are important to us, let's be honest, carry, we carry those things with us. And so you've walked into soul church today and all of you have different things that are impacting your soul at this present time. The good thing is Jesus, the Bible says, understood what we faced, experienced what we faced. You could say he felt what we faced. And so he felt opposition and he felt what it was to be sorrowful. And he felt what it was to be across and angry. We see that at times. So the human reactions, we have those human reactions. Now, did, did, was Jesus ever sick? Was he ever unwell? The Bible doesn't necessarily refer to that. Pastor Steve Morstan is an expert on the, the, the theology of that. So you can ask him at the end of the service. But everything else, Jesus responded with like we do. In fact, uh, something funny happened in our Easter Sunday service in 2022 uh, in Leeds last year because we, we created probably like you, like a, you know, a service and we thought, it'd be, we thought it'd be cool, a good idea for someone to walk in with the cross, walk from the back, down the aisle, onto the platform, onto the cross. And so I invited my friend Essan, who was, who was in the church, and I thought he'd be great. Like, he's very extrovert, very charismatic, and he, he even looks like Jesus, okay? And so, you know, because we all know what Jesus looked like. And so we, we practiced with him on a Wednesday. Everything was fine. We're like, this is fine. Anyway, Sunday morning, I get a message, because I was the one who helped arrange it with Essan. And the message says, Essan's not here. And we're, we're in sound check. So I'm like, oh, that's a slight problem. So I ring Essan up, no response. 15 minutes later, I try, and they're like, what are we going to do? So 15 minutes later, I ring him back up again. And Essan, hello? I'm like, Essan, what are you doing? You're supposed to be at church because you're Jesus today. <laughs> and it's Resurrection Sunday. Do you know what he said to me? He says, I'm not very well. <laughs> I went, yeah, that doesn't work <laughs> with Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. Good Friday, I can understand it a little bit. We can make that work, but not Resurrection Sunday. So I said to him, look, unless you are dying, unless you are in hospital right now and a surgeon has their hands in your organs, we are sending an Uber. <laughs> And we're sending one to pick him up. So we sent a taxi to him to pick him up. Now, he had a bit of man flu. And so, you know, men know what it's like when you have man flu. So he actually walked down with the cross. But because he was actually pretty unwell, it made him look, act even better. Because it made it look like it was really real. He was sweating. He, looked, he was wobbling, like genuinely wobbling. People were like, man, he's a, this is like the passion of the Christ. And we're like, no, he's just got man flu. And he stands there on the platform with the cross and thinking, oh no, if he faints, Jesus, is, Jesus don't, doesn't faint. The Bible doesn't say he, he got nails in his hands, but he doesn't faint. 
A couple of days later, Esan is around my house because he um, just got married to an American girl who was in America. And so he was on his own. And so he's like, I want to celebrate. Can I come and celebrate with you? So I invited him around to my house and uh, I invite him in. And he's in the kitchen. And I had to go upstairs for something. And Sonny comes from one of the other rooms, who's my five-year-old. And he hadn't yet seen Esan in the house, walks into the house, walks into the room. And then, and then he runs back up to say, Dad, Dad. He's looking for me in the house. Dad. He goes, Jesus. <laughs> is here because <laughs> he was in the service and he's Jesus is in the house he was just like walking around for the next hour going <laughs> bewildered I never told him that it wasn't actually Jesus <laughs> half an hour later we're in the garden because Esan has just got engaged and he's Iranian and so part of their custom is to have a celebratory cigar I did not partake in the celebratory cigar because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit <laughs> But I let him have a celebratory cigar. And as he's enjoying his cigar in the garden, Sonny, my five-year-old, walks out and sees Jesus enjoying a cigar, mind blown. Because in our household with our kids, like murder is the worst sin, adultery is probably the second, third is smoking. Like that's their range. And so Jesus felt and experienced what we felt and experienced. In Psalm 43, verse 5, the psalmist writes, a familiar verse that most of us will probably have heard of in, the, in here. Psalm 43, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It is the psalmist saying there are things that are happening to me that are impacting me. I've got armies trying to kill me. I've got other leaders probably trying to destroy me. I've got issues in my relationships. I'm not doing too good. Why, my soul, are you downcast? What does downcast mean? Just to have a, a downward posture, to have a sense of flatness. And it begins to impact everything. Why, my soul, are you downcast? And many of us sometimes feel that. And what I call those things that make you feel downcast is, I call them soul stealers. Those are the, those are the things that steal or attempt to steal things from your soul. Things that impact faith and have the ability to, to rob you and it literally does feel like things are being stolen out of your soul. Like there's an, there's, a, there's an emptiness, there's a theft, a burglary going on. And there are some things that I think can have, be soul stealers in your life. Let's just write a couple of them here. First one, I'd call them people's actions. How many of you know some people are crazy? <laughs> they are. And their actions can steal things from your soul. Like I've said before, people who do things to you or they might not realize they're having such an impact, but their actions are having a great impact on your soul. Another thing that I would say here is what I'd call, let's just call them circumstances that are out of your control. Circumstances that you cannot control. Somebody bumps into your car at the lights, you get a doctor's report, and you're fit and healthy, but the doctor's report just wipes you out. Like, how, where did this come from? 
a financial interest rate rise that has been nothing to do with you, but yet you're now having to burden the responsibility of the extra expense and you're trying to work things all out. And how many of you know that has an impact on your soul? Then what the third thing that I think has an impact is just human weakness. Human weakness looks like comparison. It looks like jealousy. It looks like me comparing myself with you and comparing myself with others. And I wish I was better looking. I wish I was thinner, bigger. I wish I was wealthier. I wish I had this. I wish I didn't have this. I wish you had that and I didn't have. I wish I lived there. I wish. And so you begin to compare. And because you, you find yourself inferior, it begins to rob you of your soul. And so even those little things begin to have, make you a bit more downcast. We've all been there. And if we did an appeal on this right now, every single one of us would have our hands up. Because all of us at times have felt flat, have felt down, have felt dejected, have felt unhappy. And if you do, there is no judgment, there is no shame on you because we have all been in that place. All of us have experienced that. But I would say if there are things such as soul stealers, I also want to introduce you to another friend which is called soul feeders. There are some soul feeders. They are the things that have the ability to feed your soul. They are the things that have the ability to replenish your soul. And the body can contribute to that. How many of you know good sleep really helps? How many of you know eating Big Macs every day do really help? No, they don't help. How many of you know a walk in the Norfolk Broads, a surf in the Chroma Sea, a walk around your new building... How many of you know those things can really help? They do, they have massive help. Fresh air, rest, walking, they have an impact on your soul. They feed encouragement from one another, a text, a word of encouragement. Somebody goes up to you and just says, you did great today. I love what's happening there. You look fantastic. Is that, is that, is that a new product you're wearing in your hair? No, I'm just bold. <laughs> encouragement. Encouragement is a soul feeder, purpose, purpose in your job, purpose in your life, purpose in serving. When you come here and you serve, you know what's amazing? As you refresh others, you will be refreshed because there is something about feeding and refreshing others that refreshes you. It is Paul purpose, relationships. It is why your small groups are so important. And I know sometimes you drive to small group going, I could do without this tonight. But I tell you, every time you drive home, you go, and that was the best decision I made of the day. Because there is something about those relationships that help feed your soul. But yet Psalm 23 Verses 1 to 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's, what, that's a nice walk. He leads me beside quiet waters. But then look what it says here. He refreshes. He restores my soul. Notice that it's a person. It's a person. The green pastures is not a person, and the quiet waters might not be a person. They might be things that you get to enjoy, but there is someone, a person, he, who restores your soul. Who is he? He is God. He is the spirit that is within you. And so let me put it like this. 
There are things that happen to you which can rob you of your soul. But then there are things within your spirit which begin to feed your soul. Because it is the spirit of God within you that has the ability to restore you. Fresh air can energize your soul, but only God can restore it. And there are things trying to rob it, but the Spirit of God is trying to restore it. And God is in the business of soul restoration. You see what the enemy wants to destruct, steal, kill and destroy? The Spirit of God wants to restore. That is why, that is why, that is why it is so crucial that you are led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Because if we are always led by the flesh, how many of you know we are always going to be downcast? We're always going to share the mood of the nation. We're always going to be acclimatized to that. But if I can be led by the Spirit, I'm going to have a different walk in my day. I'm going to have a different direction. I'm going to have a different focus. It is being led by the Spirit. Because the leading of you, the leading of you determines the leanings within you. How I am being led determines how I lean inside my life. And I can't always control the soul stealers, but I believe we can commit to the soul feeders. I can't always control what happens here, but I can commit to what happens here. And so let's stop trying to be such control freaks with everything that happens here trying to control our whole life, trying to control every situation, every single circumstance. It's impossible. You can't. But let's commit to what happens right here because that is the Spirit of God within you. And I think there are a couple of things that help strengthen your spirit more than anything else. Worship is number one because as you sing, you worship spirit to spirit. The Bible says we worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, praise, my, praise your holy name, my inmost spirit within me, praise your name. There is something about worship. Even if you don't feel like worship, you put it on. Even if you don't really want to worship, there's just something when it's in the house and when it's in the car and when you're in church and when you're in this environment, there is something about worship that your spirit goes, yes, please. <laughs> More of that, please. I'll have more of that. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And your body might be like, I can't be bothered. But your spirit's like, bring it on, put it on again, put it on again, play it again, play it again. Let's worship. There is spirit to spirit. Second thing is fellowship. Worship and fellowship. Fellowship is what? Spirit to spirit. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. One of my favorite verses when it comes to fellowship. It says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. It's Paul basically saying, the spirit of God that is within me, I'm going to share it with you. So that it can make you strong and so that I and you, we both can be mutually encouraged by what? Each other's mood. By each other's circumstances. No, we can be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You see, when the enemy's plan is to keep you isolated to keep you away from people, to keep you on your own, to keep you thinking like you're just on your own here, you're in your own, this is you on your own. And as a result of that, you start to feel isolated and you lack fellowship. 
The enemy will also try and tempt you with other idols to distract you, thinking this is more important, this is more important, and you, you move away from worship. And as you move away from worship, and as you move away from fellowship, I tell you what begins to happen. You begin to feel robbed. You begin to feel flat, you begin to feel empty, and you begin to wonder, why am I not walking in the faith that I once had? Why are doors seem to be closed when they used to be open? Because there is something about the faith that is within you that enables favor to find you. We've got to learn to understand the power of the Spirit of God within us. Romans 8 says it is the same power that was in Jesus Christ that raised him from the grave. Guess what? That same power. Spirit lives within you. So when my soul is struggling, when my soul is struggling, when my soul is downcast, where does it get its help from? Gets its help from the Spirit. And the Spirit of God can restore and can replenish and can do what no one else can do. When I'm stressed by the body, my soul is strengthened by the Spirit. When my soul is stressed by the body, my soul is strengthened by the spirit. If only we gave the same level of investment to our spirit as we do our body. If only we gave the same care and attention to our spirit as we do our body, would we begin to see a difference in our faith and the lives that we live? You see, in Gethsemane, which was a garden that Jesus went to moments before he was arrested, Moments before he was put on a cross to die. The Bible says Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are praying and he says to the disciples, please pray because this is, I know what's about to come. And in the garden of Gethsemane, I find we find the, the, the humanity of Jesus. In fact, in the garden, we see his body and we see his soul and we see his spirit all together in a beautiful way. The Bible says he was so stressed as to what was about to come the pain he was about to experience, the death and the separation from the father, that he begins to sweat blood. I researched that and you can actually sweat blood in the most stressful circumstances. There is a condition where your veins become so inflate, they become so large that it can't, your body can't cope and you begin to drip blood out of your body. And the Bible says that his body is suffering that. And then in the same passage of, God, of, of Matthew 26, in verse 38, it says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. His soul overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he says to his disciples, who are supposed to be praying, and yet every time he goes to find them, they're asleep again. And look what he says to Peter. He says, Peter, he says, the spirit is willing but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It is basically Jesus saying, my body is pouring out blood here because my body, everything about my body is saying no. Everything about my body is saying, whatever you do, Jesus, run, escape, go away, go home, don't do this. My soul is being conflicted because my soul knows what's right but my soul is also fearful of what is to come. My soul is expressing the emotion of what I'm about to experience. But yet the spirit within Jesus is willing. The spirit within him is rich. The spirit within him is basically saying, let's go. <laughs> let's go. And the body's saying no, but the spirit's saying, let's go. 
And I love what it says in the message version of that same passage. In, it, it puts it like this in verse 41. And he basically says, um, of verse 41 of that same passage, he's talking to Peter. He says, there is a part of you that is eager, the spirit, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. It is so true. There is a part within us that says, I prefer just to acclimatize to the mood of the nation. I prefer just to, you know what, step back and just chill out and go back because what's ahead of me, I don't look forward to. But yet there is a part of you eager. Come on, we can do this. Let's move forward. I want to be strengthened. Let's, it's time, decision time for the soul. I either retreat to the fire or I head to the cross. And what does Jesus say? May your will be done. May your will, because there comes a point in your faith where the will of the Spirit will lead the will of the soul. Where the will of the Spirit will take you to the cross when everything else is saying, let's go back and go back to sleep. Everything externally is saying no, but everything in my spirit is saying yes. And we live by faith and not by sight. And so let your spirit within you rise up today because you return what? In the power of the Spirit, like Jesus said. And you find yourself walking in favor when you are led by the power of the Spirit. When you declare the year of the Lord's favor. Why? Because I'm walking in faith and victory. So whatever the mood of the nation doesn't determine the mood in my spirit. Because my spirit is full of faith, full of God full of hope so I will walk through doors that everyone else thinks are closed but that I believe they are going to be open for me in Jesus name as I walk with them with boldness and with courage why because I lead with influence when everyone else is stepping back I decide to lift up my hands when everyone else is closing them why because I am led by the spirit and the spirit of God within me is greater than he that is in the world and so I'm believing that today faith is going to rise up within me and as faith rises up within me, guess what? Favour, goodness and mercy has a way of finding me. It has a way of finding you. And so today, strengthen that spirit. Feed your soul with worship, with fellowship. And you watch what happens in your life. It doesn't mean everything will become easy. It doesn't mean a car might not bump into you at the lights. It doesn't mean you might not get reports that you don't want to receive. It doesn't, let's, let's be honest, we have to be real with those things. Those things are part of life. But I can either let that rob me of my whole future and I can retreat or I can say, hey, that might be a struggle, but my spirit is still willing. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet today? We've got to close. Just lift up your hands to heaven. If you're believing for your soul to be restored today, begin to sing in the Spirit. Begin to, begin to worship. Begin to your spirit. Your spirit's ready. Your spirit's saying, bring it on. Maybe you're a little bit downcast. Maybe your body is sick. Can I encourage you? Lift up your hands and begin to worship and begin to sing and begin to give Him praise in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Hey, I want to pray for some of you today. The first people I want to pray for in this room are those of you that have not yet invited the Spirit of God to come and live inside of you. 
You might be aware of things of Jesus. You might be aware of things of God. But there is a difference between knowing of something, knowing of something and living with that something. And I believe God changes everything. And every eye closed in this room right now, I want to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe for the first time or maybe to recommit your life to him. And that's you saying, I want the Spirit of God to change my whole life. He died on a cross for you. He loves you and he knows you. And today it is your opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. If that is you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you as we close this service. Amen. Somebody here. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Somebody here in the middle. Somebody else in the middle. Somebody on this side. Somebody on that side. Somebody at the back. Right at the back. Gosh. So many hands raised today. Praise God. Amen. Let's say this prayer together as a soul church family. Can we do this? Let's speak this out. Jesus Christ, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. Today I choose you. Help me, heal me, and change me. I want to walk with you and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, let's give all of these a massive round of applause today. Amen. Pastor John will come and explain what happens next, but you've just made a fantastic decision, so many of you. And I tell you what, you can tell when something's happening in a church, when every service people are giving their lives to Christ. Because the spirit within you is making things happen in this place. And so I thank you for listening. It's been an honor for me to preach to you. Looking forward to tonight, five o'clock. We're going to share a little bit and then we're going to pray for lots of different people. And it's going to be a bit of a, who knows what's going to happen tonight. But we're going to just let the Spirit of God break out in this place. And so looking forward to seeing you later. If you can make it back tonight at five o'clock, it's an honor for me to speak. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.